0: St. John speaks in the final chapter of his Revelation. I heard a great voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. The Christian story, which finds its climax each year on Easter Day, bears two underlying themes redemption and recreation. Now, St. John gives us both, in, both of these in, these in this passage. There is redemption in that man is once again God's people. The Bible closes its final pages with everything as it should be once more. No more tears. They wept enough now. There was weeping over the struggle of the Hebrew children, the exile into Babylon, the destruction of the temple, weeping over the sin of Eve, the lust of David, the passion of Christ. But now no more. And then there's recreation. Something new is happening. The former things have passed away. Now, these are the ideas which the church puts before us in each funeral liturgy, God, like a parent, wiping away the tears from the eyes of a child. There's no need to cry. All things will be made new. All things are right. The English poet and preacher, John Donne, considering these same thoughts, had this to say. When God shall come to the last act of glorifying man, when he promises to wipe all tears from his eyes, what shall God have to do with the eye that never wept? Easter is a curious day. People get the itch today, you know, to run to church. Everyone has joy today. They pack the walls. They join their families. They wear their best clothes. It's unavoidable. It's the happiness of this day. And everyone should have this joy. But for some, also, there are tears. They're not tears of sadness, mind you, but tears indeed. Tears at what happens when you take the events of these past few days and you add them up you see the sum of what these few hours in church this last week have meant, why they were important. This is a certain type of weeping that I wish to all, and yet not all have it. For one reason or another, not all people who pack the pews on Easter morning have these tears. Not all people truly know the real significance of Easter, which can only be understood in the shadow of the cross. And what shall God have to do with the eye that never wept? There is redemption, yes. That is why people come here today. But there is recreation. There is a newness to the Christian religion, which flows from Easter Day. The world is obsessed with novelty new clothes, new trends, new technology. The world loves novelty because as soon as something is new, it is replaced with the next thing, the next moment, the next person. Except in Christ. In Christ, all things are new. And there's only one place that that newness is seen day by day in his church. and the Church of Christ, the faith is new to each generation. The Easter message is new to every hearer. For the casual passerby, it's the same message each year that they come to the Easter service. Christ is risen, and he is. But not in the sense that we've returned once again to that mere moment of the year that he rises. No, Christ is risen. Christ is alive today and always. His Easter rising is new each day because it never grows old. We can grasp that on a superficial level by knowing these things, celebrating on that one day each year when everyone comes to church, or we can ourselves become new in faith with each passing year, but that takes a real act, something more than coming to church today. C.S. Lewis gives us the image of a traveler returning home, only when he fixes, when he makes his minor, minor uh, Lord, Coming home, only when he makes his final approach, he finds himself on the edge of a cliff, a deep cliff. Now there's a superficial closeness in this moment. The traveler is near his home by proximity. But he can only truly come closer to home as he makes an approach, even if that approach means going around for miles around the cliff. And so Lewis writes what is nearness to him, to God, by likeness, by proximity, is never by that fact alone going to be any nearer. But nearness by approach is by definition an increasing nearness. In other words, we can all share in the joy of Easter, the joy of our Lord. Indeed, he wants that. But our joy alone is not enough to bring us to him. It isn't enough to make us close to God, to that only place where joy is always new. Therefore, what shall God have to do with the eye that never wept? We have to make the approach ourselves. We have to make the step toward him. We have to run to the empty tomb ourselves and there find the risen And the living Lord. Christ isn't some long gone fellow that meant so much to the world that we celebrate him each year on a special day and recall his memory. Christ is alive and his church is standing there at the door of the empty tomb, beckoning us, beckoning us to come in and see the binding cloths. She calls up witnesses each year, Peter and John and Mary Magdalene and Paul, and she begs each year in the Easter sequence that we just heard sung that Mary will once again speak to us of what she saw in the garden on Easter morning. And she does all of this, she relives this moment, not because it is lost, but because it is new again. And so the church this morning gives us all things new. New flowers, new candles, New holy water, new fire, newly pressed altered linens, newly consecrated hosts in her tabernacles. All of this because the Easter mystery is new again, as it always is. And she continues to tell this mystery to the young and the old because each soul she tells hears it new. And through them, she remains young. That is how she has survived these past 2,000 years, not by any remarkable feat of governance, but because she hands down to each succeeding generation not some old, worn-out, and broken project of hers, but the ever-ancient, ever-new announcement of the resurrection. And that isn't a banner or a song that comes out only once a year. The news of the resurrection is perennial. Each day, the church heralds it from her steeples and her pulpits. She gives the news to the prisoner and the orphan, to the sick and to those who are well. And she is giving that news to you today who have found yourselves in this church on Easter morning. I sometimes wonder why so many people show up for Easter Mass. I mean, in my mind, it makes sense, because I know all of this. I know why I'm here. But what draws the crowds that doesn't draw them the rest of the year? I think it's because deep down, we all want to hear the news of the resurrection. Because all of us want to be redeemed. All of us want to be recreated. All of us want a new start. And if that's why you're here this morning, if you're hoping today will be the first step on a new start for you, if you're just wanting to start over today, well, you found yourself in the right place and you've chosen the right day to come here. But if you trip up this afternoon, please come back next Sunday or tomorrow or the next day or any day, because the news and the joy of Easter isn't confined to a single moment of the year. Today, all things are new. But they will be again tomorrow, and next week, and next month, and on until the end of time. And for those of you who already find yourselves in a pew week by week, you're not exempt from this calling. Right now, all of us are gathered in one place, like the apostles on Easter morning, gathered in the upper room. And Christ is here among us. But he sends us on before him into Galilee, that is, into Greenville, into all the surrounding towns and across the river, and throughout the nation, and all the world, until every eye weeps at the message of this day. Alleluia! Christ is risen!